everyone, welcome back to The Pit Perspective. My name is Bree, and today we're going to be discussing an interview that one of our team members did with an ECU professor who has special interests in public health, anthropology, and has a race and ethnic relations class on campus here at ECU. I'm gonna go ahead and start introducing the rest of my team. I'm Mads. I'm On. And I'm Abby. So now we're gonna go ahead and start to listen to the interview that Vimmel did. Hey guys, I'm Vimal Polikil, and this week I had the opportunity to speak with Dr. Eric Bailey, a professor here at ECU who works with medical and cultural anthropology and public health. Dr. Bailey is the founder and director of the Ethnic and Rural Health Disparities Graduate Certificate Online Program at ECU. This program serves to provide medical and public health professionals with a new set of culturally competent public health skill sets. Dr. Bailey uses his expertise in public health with his applied medical anthropology perspective to research and work on various issues in the world such as obesity, hypertension, diabetes, and HIV and AIDS. But most importantly, Dr. Bailey was my cultural anthropology professor my very first semester at ECU. He showed us many different cultures and really taught us to embrace and appreciate the diversity in the world. The biggest lesson he taught us is to learn from one another, so I think that theme really shows in our project. So over the years, uh, you've been everywhere, and what you've done is impressive and impactful. And you mentioned you saw everything in different perspectives, the federal level, urban levels. You saw it in like places like Arkansas and local areas because you wanted to get a perspective. So that's sort of what we're trying to do. We're, giving, we're trying to give people an opportunity to see that local perspective without having to travel like you did. Very much into academia. Is there any specific reasons for why you like learning so much or why you learn so much in a broad spectrum of subjects? Why do I learn so, why do I love, here's, uh, Vimo, you, you, uh, you know this and I'll, I'll make this very clear. I love learning from students like you. Cause in a class, I teach the cultural anthropology class. I uh, taught that for a number of years here. Now I'm teaching a race and ethnic relations class and I'm teaching every semester now for undergraduates. And I just love learning from the different perspectives of all the students, and particularly here at ECU. Many times, that, again, I'm, I've been fortunate to listen to and uh, teach students at all different, uh, well, not all, several different universities, different states, but here at ECU, many times the students do not realize how, how much of a broad perspective they really do have. Uh, it's kind of limiting. Uh, and uh, and what they and I'm just saying this out of experience for 16 years is limiting how the students like yourself and others prim primarily others <laughs> uh, they're they're kind of limited in their scope of seeing the world and once they learn and listen and slow down just a little bit they can learn from their fellow colleague their fellow student in class. And uh, that's what I see as extremely fascinating. I get my students engaged with learning about themselves, but primarily their uh, their classmate. Because once you slow them down, they start to learn about the the history of their fellow student, uh, the culture, the traditions, why they look different. You know, what are their values? What are some challenging issues that they never talked about uh, uh, on a daily basis? So I really try to implement that in my undergraduate class as well as my graduate classes, uh, of which, which is very fascinating in itself. That's another set of 
uh, different types of uh, perspectives. But primarily, I'd really love to learn from my students. And every semester is something different. Every se semester is something. For example, I'll give you a prime example. I do an exercise in class. Uh, um, uh, I just completed in the race and uh, about self-confidence. Many times students don't realize what type they uh, they have different strategies to improve their self-confidence. And some are very successful in improving their self-confidence. Other students, quite frankly, are, are, are always struggling to maintain their self-confidence at ECU or any college because, again, it's very competitive. It's very stressful. It's very anxiety-oriented. I understand that. But uh, yet certain students don't realize it's, easy, it's easier if you share and learn those self-confidence strategies from another student. Because many times they just don't recognize that, you know, uh, they could get assistance from their own colleague. Another student may have excellent strategies that's just not shared. So I have an exercise in my class where I say, post your five top uh, self-confidence strategies. And when I get students to do that, they are kind of shocked that, you know, they're doing some, some of them are doing a great job. Others need that help. They need to see it. You can't just talk about it. They need to see it and engage with their fellow colleague. And so it doesn't come from me. It comes from their um, similar colleague in, in the situation. So I use different exercises in class to, to get students uh, to learn more about themselves and improve themselves. Even like he was talking about like learning from each other for like self-confidence, but not just in that aspect, but like I was thinking about how like our first podcast we talked on and she's in our group and she's our age and we're all kind of like going through the same classes going through like the same experience in college and so like hearing her perspective and kind of learning from her was something that I don't really know how to put it but like it was a perspective that I felt like we needed to hear before we kind of started talking to people in the community because like she like we are all women in college we're all sophomores like we're all kind of going through the same things in a certain sense so like learning from her was something that we needed to do to kind of create that conversation and yeah it's important to appreciate the similarities but it's also important to note the differences and remember them because both the similarities and differences between like us and our different um, backgrounds and, I mean, coming from a white southern background, I mean, white southern, black southern, and mostly white town, and then white southern. White southern, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, we've got a lot, a lot of white southern around here, but we all have different experiences, and it's, like, something to appreciate, but also something to, like, you know, talk about talk, as well. Yeah. And they can get, they, they're more than willing to do it if you open up the dialogue and set the stage for it. So that's just one exercise. And then I have another fun exercise in class where I say, share your uh, uh, specific slang terms or share your uh, specific, <laughs> um, uh, your um, uh, your 
uh, what's the popular uh, pop culture and your music. And you, and when you open up that type of dialogue, they're more than willing. And then they post their pictures. They post pictures of themselves. They do selfies and everything. But when you open up the dialogue and talk about slang terms and this, wow, I just learned so much. So again, I'm, I'm all about learning uh, from uh, each and every class, but also they take, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> they take away something from my class and say, hey, I can learn something from my fellow colleague in my classes each and every semester, and they gain confidence. That's what I'm trying to do in these classes. I, I realize uh, trying to get students to gain more and more confidence until once before they hit the real world. That is, once they graduate, <laughs> they have to be prepared. So I'm in my classes, I tend to try strategies to improve self-confidence, improve skills, improve knowledge base, so students can be better prepared uh, before they hit the real world and once they graduate. That's like, we're creating these podcasts, obviously, to like bring awareness to these topics and to educate the community. But we're also having these conversations with each other and learning as we do it. And I think that's something that's super important. Yeah, um, I'm actually in this class, the race and ethnic relations class. And I do have to say it's a very positive space um, for talking about these things. Like in an everyday circumstance, you wouldn't really go up to someone and be like, what slang terms do you use? Because yeah. like, it's just a little <laughs> uncomfortable. And I mean, Dr. Bailey talked about in the class how when he first starts his class every year, things are very silent in the room and it's like a, a discomfort and it's like this, these things shouldn't be talked about. But when you provide students like a healthy environment like that, where it's encouraged and it's, uh, you know, welcomed to, you know, talk about your different lifestyles and cultures and, you know, upbringings and the differences that you have with people and it's not a bad thing. Um, I just think that's where a lot of change happens in the classroom. And I think that's why he's so successful with students because he kind of pushes that discomfort and he's like, it's not a bad thing to talk about race and culture. Like, it's there and it's something that needs to be talked about. Yeah. And that goes back to what you were saying in the first episode about like how it's important to create those open dialogues about these things mm -hmm. for people to like start discussing and learning early on. So it's not like, something that they're struggling with later with trying to understand other people. Yeah, because at home, we never had those open conversations or discussions about race. So hearing that he's creating that space on campus to be able to discuss that, it help, it'll probably help race relations on campus and people to actually be like more open-minded and learn about stuff and not just like, you know, shut down when you talk about race. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when he like creates that environment of like, comfortable conversation, people are more willing to talk because they don't expect an argument to happen. Mm -hmm. So they're more willing to like share their thoughts and like hear other people's ideas as well. And then the, also the point of making it a discussion instead of a lecture, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Instead of him just like talking at you, does he like kind of like ask more? Yeah, like yeah. everything that we do in that class, it is online of course because you know COVID-19, but it's everything's discussion oriented like we listen to his lectures of course it's like 30 minute lectures some textbook readings but our big every assignment that we have every week is discussion and engagement we actually have to like to receive full participation points like engage with our classmates and comment and like ask things about them and it's really 
it's I even like it, even though I mean I don't think a lot of my views are too controversial, but um like he'll ask things like, Do you think race and ethnic relations on campus here at ECU are good like good or bad? And like people really have to like put out there like this is what I think and like I said it's not negative. It's always like a I can see like where you're coming from or I agree or you know although like I believe this like I think it's valid that you said it's just very healthy and positive encouragement from each other and from Dr. Bailey. Yeah I like the whole concept of like talking with you instead of talking at you. Mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like he really um, orients that or uses that in his class. Definitely. Yeah having confidence is so important even just to have open dialogue and in in my opinion and like in my experiences open dialogue with friends and peers have been some of the most like educational moments i've ever had um you were speaking a lot about your ethnic and race relations class could you tell me a little bit more about it and what kind what you learn in it what the curriculum was like Sure. Uh, <laughs> quite okay. Now I'm going to get there. Ooh, ooh. Let me <laughs> just tell you the dynamics here. When I came to ECU, people are very, very sensitive and not willing to talk about race and ethnic relations practically at all. And I said, what is going on here? Because again, I taught at other universities and other universities are more willing. University of Houston talked about a great deal. Indiana University. Great deal, uh, you know, different places. But once I came here in my cultural anthropology class and we go over different topics, you know, uh, of uh, of culture. But once I hit the topic of and it was after the first uh, first exam and I and the topic was race and ethnic relations. Once I start going down that road. The, uh, the audience, <laughs> the lecture hall always got quiet. Students would not talk. They clam up. They wouldn't look at me. And you know, in a lecture hall, when I used to go to a lecture hall all the time, and I love walking around my lecture hall, students would avoid me <laughs> when I was just bringing up definitions related to race and ethnic relations. I said, what is going on here? So uh, what transpired after I recognized I had, had to do a little, <laughs> uh, be very, uh, selective of how I approach this topic. I thought that was really interesting how he noticed like such a big difference between ECU and the other campuses he's taught at. So like he said um, that at University of Houston and the school in Indiana he taught at that they were willing to engage in these conversations but he, like at ECU they're kind of scared and I just thought that was kind of strange because it's not like Indiana and Houston are really in the same region. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's like ECU over here that's closer to Houston than An Indiana is, I feel like, but. I feel like one of the reasons though that he might've had that issue was because like on campus, we don't have amazing race relations. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, a lot of the white students don't understand certain race and ethnic relations issues. And then, like, in my experience, I've realized when I talk about stuff that affects me because of my race, people like to, like, invalidate my experiences, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that causes tension and nobody knows how to talk about it in a healthy way. Right. And I think, like, geographically, like, Eastern North Carolina, where we are, it's a, Greenville has grown, especially in the last, like, 50 years. But, I mean... 
He's been here for 16 years. So yeah. 16 years ago, we've grown a lot more since then. And regardless, we're so located in a very rural part of North Carolina. I mean, you drive outside of town in any direction, you're hitting, like, farm, yeah. <laughs> farmland. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't, like, I just think because, I mean, of that, like, rural communities, and then also something that we are going to be talking about in an upcoming episode, um, our public schools here, the public high schools, um, there, I believe, I can't remember the exact statistics, but um, I believe that it's like 46% of public schools are like black children, while only like 30 something percent are white children, which if you look at the grand scheme of things in Greenville, about 33, 34% of Greenville is black, and then there's like a 40, like higher 40s percent that are white. So our public schools are really, really kind of still like segregated, if that makes sense, because we have those private schools established throughout Greenville. And, if, you know, whenever you have um, most of your, especially like socioeconomically well-off white kids going to private schools kind of separated off like that, while you have like most of the black community and then like some of your like other minority populations all going to like the public school when it comes to going all to one at a public university like ECU because a lot of these kids do end up going to ECU it's like two worlds kind of colliding like mm-hmm. um the white kids that have you know gone to these private schools and you know haven't really had to interact with you know the minority populations of Greenville don't appreciate or understand you know why I guess the race relations are how they are in the way that they would if everyone I believe was more, you know, together throughout their upbringings, if that makes sense. And I was approached by one of the students in my cultural anthropology class. She said, Dr. Bailey, why don't you teach a, uh, try to teach an honors class over an honors college? So I said, and she said, she noticed that our class did not talk about race and ethnic relations. So I, um, submitted a class, a new class to Honors College several years ago, and it was on the topic of race and ethnic relations, a very small class, Honors class. I only had eight students in the class. And that eight students, when I had that class, and they were all white female in the class, we were talking about race and ethnic relations. Now, can you imagine, here I walk in to the this seminar <laughs> with Honors students who are eight white female Caucasian and they're very nice very intelligent and here I'm going to go in depth <laughs> on race and ethnic relations it was tough very tough the first day but then the second time I came back I tried different strategies and they were ready to open up they just started flying with comments issues concerns that they had, they never had the opportunity to dialogue about race and ethnic relations at ECU. What he said was like, they felt uncomfortable at first because like, obviously a bunch of like white girls are taking this class and they feel like they can't talk about that stuff because they didn't know how and they hadn't had like an outlet to, I guess. And he said that once he gave that environment to them, they were perfectly comfortable having those conversations. And I think that that's important. And that's what we're trying to do is to like create that outlet and make 
it comfortable for us to have these conversations. Um, I was going to say, like, it sounded like he almost had to reassure them that it was okay to talk about these things and that they were kind of, like, hesitant to go into these topics because they weren't sure how to approach it or that they were going to say something wrong. But, like, once he, like, found the other way to get them to start talking, they were, like, into it immediately. Yeah, I just think it's just interesting how it was all, like, only, like, a dozen white women. Like, I don't know what it is that's, like, you know, what that means necessarily, but, like, I guess that kind of shows that there is, like, that kind of urge or that, you know, wanting to, or that urge of wanting to understand, like, um, the differences between, you know, you know, us as white women or men or whatever with, um, like people of color in you know a classroom setting like I guess that shows that that's like something that's wanted on you know within like white people as well maybe a small number and I'm not sure why it's like all women either like that kind of interests me like yeah. I, I I would like to like kind of figure out like what that means like the first class ever yeah like was it just the statistics in the honors college like were there more like white women at the time like that kind of stuff exactly so that's the mess and um, with that class we were able to do a lot of different things fortunately in honors college i was able to take the students to uh, um, different places on ECU campus. We actually traveled to UNC Chapel Hill. I took them there uh, and just, it was an outreach of all different types of uh, situations. That class was phenomenal. And, and, um, and the students in that class, they took it upon themselves and they knew, they felt that they knew where they were being robbed of the opportunity to dive deeper into race and ethnic relations issues. And then I transferred that over into the current race and ethnic relations class. Now that, you know, that uh, is up to 90 some students in it on a regular basis. And those, this, this class, they, uh, I use all different types of strategies to get them engaged. And uh, it's, it's, I think it's uh, uh, phenomenal because uh, again, um, students were not, when I first started, not willing to talk about, but now they just could, they just can't wait to dive deeper into the issue. And matter of fact, this week, you know, one of the things about this class is just not to engage and share information. Now we're at the situation where we're uh, debating uh, and evaluating critical race and ethnic relations issues. It's like a court decision time. (laughs) So I'm putting them on the spot. So it's, it's a and by the end they have to come up with solutions to improve race relations here on campus. That's the outcome. They have to develop solutions, not just talk about engage, but now they're on a day to day basis. And I can't wait for their projects by the end of the semester. I think that's really great how he's trying to like actively um, spark change on campus with that project. Um, that was just really cool to me hearing that i don't know yeah like he starts off by making them comfortable and Mm -hmm. telling them that it's it's okay to have those conversations and getting them used to having those conversations so that eventually they can get to that point where they start thinking about solutions and can like actively come up with one and try to create that I love the dynamic approach you take towards it. Um, something like relations, I feel like it just can't be just taught in a whiteboard. 
Uh, it's got to be done where they can talk to one another, understand it, and experience it. And the fact that they are helping out with solutions in ECU, I, I think it's genius. <laughs> yeah, so, matter of fact, but what, let me just say this first time, uh, one other time when I had the, the large class, when I was teaching face-to-face, I, I would come in there, come in the classroom, I said, guess what, we're, we're going to do an enculturation exercise. I would take this class out of the lecture hall and would walk around ECU campus. I said, you, you have 30, 30, less than 30 minutes to go find someone here on campus who looks different than you, find out about their, ask them about their ethnic customs, values, traditions, and take a selfie with them. And they had to do that all within 30 minutes. And they did it and they enjoyed it. They tremendously enjoyed it. They didn't realize how, and then what I said, what do you have in in similar to this other student? So one of the uh, purpose of that was for students to recognize they have something in common with the person who looks different than them, have a different values, different history. Many times there's a lot of common ground. Yeah, so this assignment we actually did like in the class online. And um, I, at first, like, I wasn't like dreading it, but like, I was just like, okay, this is an assignment that I have to get done. Like, it's just, you know, an assignment. Gonna talk to my friend, because whenever it was online, he said you could like get a classmate or a friend that looks different from you. So um, I was like, hey, my friend Alex um, got him to do an interview with me. He is Vietnamese, so um, I talked to him just about like how his traditions are and all growing up were, and like just you know general upbringing, family life stuff like that. And it was actually a really fulfilling experience. Like me and Alex have been close for a while, but like we got to know each other on like a different level and kind of like understand each other on a different level. And like he enjoyed being a part of that conversation too. And like by the end, I realized like how easy it is to talk about those things when you do, as I've mentioned before, bring it into like a positive like space, like a safe space almost. Like we're going to talk about this as different people and that's okay. But like, I want to hear what you have to say. And like, he wanted to hear what I had to say. And it was just a, it was a fulfilling experience. And I think assignments like that are like really what gets students engaged in, you know, these topics. Yeah, the more like I hear about this class, the more engaging it sounds to me. Cause like, it, back to like, instead of talking at you, he's talking with you. Instead of just like telling you all these things about race and ethnic ethnic relations he's like showing you how to go out and learn about it firsthand and I think that's really awesome yeah and I feel like that assignment like there is that stigma about like talking about your differences with somebody is super is supposed to be something that's like super uncomfortable but like Bree said it's something that can spark a really good conversation and it can be really fulfilling because you don't realize kind of the conversation that can come from it because I feel like we've made it something that's supposed to be uncomfortable. Awesome. That's all I have for you you today. Thank you so much for your time. Sure. Uh, And good luck with your project. And it's been fun, Vimo. Thank you. No problem. So I feel like this interview that Vimal did was really good and it gave us a lot to talk about. Um, It kind of made me want to take the class and it made me want to have those conversations. So 
We're really excited to share with you what we have coming up, so keep up with us on our Instagram, The Pit Perspective. That's the dot pit dot perspective. Um, that's all we have for you guys today, and we'll see you next time.